to all of our moms, happy Mother's Day. I tell everyone every week that I love you, but moms especially today, I want to tell you we love you and we are so thankful for you. And if you are being celebrated today, we want to join in that celebration and we want to celebrate you and celebrate with you. Uh, But scripture tells us not only to rejoice with those who rejoice, but also to weep with those who weep. And we know that for many of you, today is a hard day. Maybe you've recently lost your mom. Maybe you're a mom who's recently lost a child. Uh, Maybe you are a woman who would like to be a mother and aren't. Or maybe you just have a strained relationship with your mother. And if you're weeping today and you're sorrowful, if today is hard, we, we weep with you, and we are here with you, and we love you as well. Wherever you are, whatever stage of life you're in, we love you. And that's why from Mother's Day to Father's Day, every year we like to do a series on family because we know that family comes in all shapes and sizes, and every one of us is part of a family, and we're all at different stages in family life, and every stage has its blessings and also has It's challenges. This year, our series is called Family Road Trip. And when I think about a family road trip, I think about my my family growing up, and I think about my dad and my mom and me and my three younger sisters loading up our 1979 yellow and white Chevy Suburban. It was just as ugly as you're picturing, uh, but we had a lot lot of good times. We traveled a lot of miles, and there were a lot of questions that got asked on a family road trip. That's what we do on family road trips, isn't it? We ask and we answer lots of questions, sometimes the same question over and over again, and I bet you can guess what the first question is. Are we, that's right, are we there yet? And why do we ask, are we there yet? Why do we ask that on a trip? Why do we ask that in life? Sometimes it's because we feel like the, the, the place where we are, the stage where we are, this, this place, this stage, this time here, this really isn't that important, isn't that significant. We're, we're anxious to get to the next place, the next stage, and we're in a hurry to get beyond this. And so we're asking constantly, are we there yet? Maybe you're in school, and so at this stage in life, you're asking are we there yet? Is this stage over? Maybe, maybe you, you've gotten married and you're, you're waiting to have kids and you're anxious to have kids and you're asking, are we there yet? Maybe you're dating and you want to get married and so you're asking, are we there yet? Maybe, maybe you, you've recently had children or your children are toddlers and so you're changing a lot of diapers and you're asking, Are we there yet? Can we be done with this stage? Maybe, like me, you've got teenagers at home. Maybe you're in that stage where no longer are you mom and dad. For some reason, I think all the teens got together and they decided we're going to call our parents bro, bro. And so maybe maybe you're there and you're ready to be done being there. And so you're asking, are we there yet? Maybe your kids are getting ready to graduate high school, wherever you are in life. Maybe you're just dealing with health issues, or maybe someone that you love is dealing with health issues. And so you're asking, and you're anxious, asking, are we 
there yet. This point, I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to be dealing with what I'm dealing with currently and presently. I don't want to be at this stage, at this spot anymore. I'm ready for the next stage. I want to encourage all of us, whatever stage you're in and whatever stage you're longing for and looking forward to, to just take a moment and consider what exactly are you supposed to be doing here, now, presently. I want us to think this morning about the church in Thessalonica. And the church in Thessalonica, they, when Paul wrote to them, they were, they were not at a good place. They were, it was really hard to be a follower of Jesus in Thessalonica. Maybe you feel like at your stage of life or maybe at this stage of history, maybe you feel like it's hard to be a Christian. It's hard to do what you're supposed to do. It's hard to be who you're called to be at this stage of, of your life or your family's life or, or history. But, but I'll tell you, the Christians in Thessalonica had it tough. In fact, they hadn't been Christians very long. Paul had come and he had taught the gospel to them and then Paul got ran out of town. The, the people in charge, the people in power, whether that was the Jewish authorities of the synagogue or the Roman authorities that oversaw the city, they were hostile towards Christians. And, and so it was hard to be at that spot. And I'm sure that so many of them were longing for this point to be over. Can we move on yet? Are we there yet? Why do we have to be here and deal with this right now? And I want you to listen to what Paul instructs them because it might surprise you. And I think it will apply to you. At whatever stage you're in, Whatever is going on in your family, I want you to listen to Paul's word. First, of course, he tells them to stay away from sin, but then he says in chapter 4 and verse 9, here's what he says. Now, concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia, but we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more. When you're, when you're anxious, when you're frustrated, when you're ready to move on to the next thing, maybe it's good to remind yourself of the basics. Go back to the basics. Remember, what is it that you're supposed to be doing right here, right now, at this stage? And Paul says the fundamentals, the basics, the foundation is love one another. Now, who is he talking about loving? He's talking about loving your brothers and sisters in Christ, loving the church, not just their own congregation in Thessalonica, but throughout the area. Love one another. And he says, you're doing that. God has taught you to do that, but do it even more. But that also applies to your family, doesn't it? It also applies to your family. Love your family. If you're mom, love your family. If you're dad, Love your family. If you're a husband, love your family. If you're a wife, love your family. If you're a grandparent or aunt or uncle, a son or a daughter, love your family. I know, I know so many of us, you're in a hurry for this stage to be done and to, to move on to the next thing. But, but don't let this moment go by without really loving each other well. That's what you are called to do is love 
one another. Love your brothers and sisters in Christ and love the members of your household. Love your family well. But sometimes when we talk about love, I mean, we just throw that word around a lot, don't we? Love, what does it mean to love? We're not just talking about be nice to each other, but yes, that too, be nice to each other, okay? Be nice to each other, but it's, it's more than that, isn't it? Listen to what John says in 1 John chapter 3, starting in verse 16. He says, by this, we know love, that he, Christ, laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. In deed and in truth. Love people. Love your brothers and sisters in Christ. The cross of Jesus, John says here that the cross of Jesus not only saves us, it shapes us. The love of Jesus not only saves us, it shapes us to love like he loves. Not just to say, I love you. You know me. I like to say, I love you. And that's good to love in word, but don't stop there. Don't just tell your family, I love you. Tell them that but then show them that. Show them love. Lay down your life for one another. And not just your family. Your brothers and sisters in Christ are your family. Share their pain. Empathize with them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Love one another. And maybe we're thinking, "Ah, I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. How can I... How can I love any more than I'm already loving? Maybe the people at Thessalonica, Paul says, you're doing it, you're loving each other, and that's great, but do it even more. And maybe we think, "Ah, how can I love any more? Love is an act of faith, isn't it? Love is an act of faith. And we're trusting that when we love one another for the right reasons and in the right ways, that it's going to be more of a blessing to us than it is to the people that we're loving. Jesus says it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Do we believe that? Do we believe that? Because sometimes we don't, do we? Sometimes we don't. We think, I'm, I'm, too, I'm too tired. I need a blessing. Well, Here's the act of faith, that if you love others, you lay down your life for others, you sacrifice self for others, that it will end up being a greater blessing to you than it is to them. And so Paul writes to this church in the midst of struggle and persecution and hostility. I can't even imagine what it was like to be a Christian in Thessalonica. But he writes to these Thessalonian Christians and he says, here's what you do. Here's what you do. Start with this, love one another more and more. Not long for the next stage, just just hold on a minute, this won't last forever, that's not what he says. He says, right here, right now, in the midst of everything that's going on in your life, love one another, be there for one another. And so sometimes I just want to stop and just say to, to moms and dads and husbands and wives and sons and daughters, If you're loving your family well, thank you. Thank you. Because not everyone is doing that. Not everyone is doing that. 
There's so many that are longing for the next stage, the next thing. They're spreading themselves so thin that they're not really loving the people that they have the greatest responsibility to love. So if you're taking care of that responsibility and loving your family, and even beyond that, loving your brothers and sisters in Christ, thank you. Keep it up. This is what you're called to do at this stage in your life. Now listen to this next part because it's absolutely shocking. He says this in verse 11, and to aspire to live quietly. Aspire to live quietly. I mean, that's a weird way to use the word aspire, isn't it? An aspiration. An aspiration is typically towards something big, something grandiose, right? And we typically aspire to big things, right? We tell young people to aspire to big things. Our, our entire culture revolves around encouraging us towards big aspirations. Aspire to be big, to have more, to do more, to be more. Aspire to live life loudly, right? We, we live in a culture, and, and probably so did they, that encouraged them to aspire to live life loud. Make a big impact, cause a ruckus, rock the boat, shake things up a little bit. And that's not what Paul says to them. It's shocking. I know. It's shocking to me. It's probably shocking to you. He doesn't say, aspire to take over Thessalonica. He doesn't say that. He says, aspire to live quietly. And really, for some of us, that might be a huge weight off of our shoulders. Because maybe you are living a fairly quiet life, taking care of what you're supposed to be taking care of, but yet you feel guilty. You feel guilty for not doing more, saying more, and being louder, and causing more of a scene. And so it might come as a huge relief to know that Scripture says, actually, you're doing what you're called to do. Aspire to live quietly. You don't have to be loud. I mean, Paul, it's kind of ironic that Paul is saying this, isn't it? Because Paul sort of causes a scene everywhere he goes. And sometimes we do cause a scene by being followers of Jesus, but that shouldn't be our aspiration. Our aspiration should be live a quiet life. Live a quiet life. You don't, you don't have to be loud. You don't have to draw attention on yourself. Just live the quiet life that you're called to live. And the good news there is that anyone can do that at any stage of your life, whether you're young or you're old, whether you're in school or you're retired, whether you're a mom or a dad or a husband or a wife or son or a daughter, at any stage in your life, you can aspire. Aspire. Make it your dream. Make it your goal. Make it your ambition to simply lead a quiet Christian life. That's Paul's encouragement to these Christians in the midst of all that they're dealing with. Going on in verse 11, aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs. Now that, that sort of has two sides to it, doesn't it? On the one hand, mind your affairs. Like take care of your responsibility. Whatever your, your business is, Whatever your responsibilities are right now, whether it's school or it's work, even if you don't like your school or you don't like your work, even if it's parenting and parenting is exhausting right now, or it's marriage and maybe your marriage isn't what it used to be, 
mind that. Take care of that responsibility. Again, so many times we spread ourselves so thin that we aren't taking care of our responsibilities. Here's what you do at this stage right now. I know you're asking, are we there yet? Can we be done with this stage right now? And Paul says, actually, right here, right now, aspire to live quietly, love one another, and mind your affairs. But not just mind your affairs, but mind your own affairs, as opposed to what? Minding someone else's affairs. Mind your own business. Keep your nose out of what's going on over there. And that was a problem in Thessalonica. He says in the second letter that, that this is a problem. He says, some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. And he wants them to stop that. Mind your own affairs. See, sometimes, sometimes we get in a rush for the next stage, for the next point on the map, to not be here anymore and rather to be there because we're looking at what else is going on in everybody else's life. And Paul says, Listen, I know you have a lot going on, and I know it's hard to be a follower of Jesus right here, right now, but here's what you do. Love one another, aspire to live quietly, and mind your own affairs. So sometimes that means work on your marriage. Work on your relationship with your kids. Work on your relationship with your parents. Work on your relationship with your siblings. These kinds of things bring honor and glory to God. I know we have big dreams and we want to do big things and we want to make a big impact, but sometimes we need to be reminded, actually, sometimes we need to slow down, stop spreading yourself so thin, aspire to live quietly, mind your own affairs. Then he says, verse 11, aspire to live quietly, mind your own affairs, and to work with your hands as we instructed you. What does he mean, work with your hands? Work with your hands as opposed to maybe work with your mouth, right? And that's kind of ironic coming from a preacher, both from him and from me. Work with your hands. But Paul lived that out. He worked with his hands. He made tents. He took care of his business. Some days he wasn't preaching and teaching. He was just making tents and taking care of his responsibilities and paying his bills. And he tells the church, here's what you need to aspire to do. Here's what your aspirations need to be. Here's what your dreams need to be. Talk less. Do more. If the church is known more for talking than we are for doing, we're probably not living the life Jesus is calling us to live. Now again, Paul does a lot of talking. Paul does a lot of writing, and there's a time for talking. There's a time for teaching. There's a time for correcting. There's a time for even debating. But he tells the church at Thessalonica, what you need to do right now is just take care of your business. Aspire to live quietly. Love one another. Work with your hands. Pay your bills. Take care of your responsibilities. And he gives the reason why he says all of this, verse 12, so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. So that you may walk properly before outsiders. Remember the Jewish leaders that hated Christians and the Roman leaders that hated Christians? Paul says, you need to make a good impact on them. And the way you're going to make a good impact on them is not by seizing control or trying to be powerful or trying to take over or publicly debating them, here's how you do it. 
It's simple, quiet, faithful, loving lives. Love one another. Aspire to live quietly. Mind your own affairs. Work with your hands. And then, and then you will be walking properly before outsiders. And this church, this is how the world was changed. This is how the world has been changed over 2,000 years. It was moms. It was moms and dads and husbands and wives. People that weren't, weren't anyone that, that historians wrote about. You don't know their stories. But it's thousands, millions of moms and dads just like you, of husbands and wives just like you, of sons and daughters just like you, of employees and employers just like you, who lived quiet, loving, faithful lives. And their faithful service, their faithful love changed the world, changed the world. And so back to our question, are we there yet? Are we there yet? I know, I know. And I think that there's a, a right time to, to be frustrated with where you are and be longing for the next thing. But I want to tell you what my dad said when we asked this question in the car. Are we there yet? My dad was always quick with a dad joke. You know how it is. When we asked, are we there yet? He would always say, we'll never be there. We'll always be here. Now, he didn't mean we'll always be at this spot. He means wherever we are, it's here. It's never there. Just like it'll never be tomorrow, it'll always be today. You're never going to be there. It's always going to be here. But so often we, we miss out on here because we're anxious for there. We miss out on today because we're longing for tomorrow. We're so frustrated with the way things are now, we're missing out on what we're called to do now, who we're called to be now. So that's my encouragement for us today is don't wait until you're there. Do what you're called to do here. Do what you're called to do here. And what are you called to do here? Stay away from sin. Love one another. Aspire to live quietly. Mind your own affairs. Work with your hands. These are the kinds of things that Christians have been called to do for 2,000 years. But I don't know about you. So, for some of us, that might, that might reveal some anxiety because we, we listen to Paul's words here and we say, Paul, you don't know. There's so much to do. There's so much to do. Who's going to save the church if I don't? Who, who's going to save my family if I don't? Who's going to save the world if I don't? I'm glad you asked because the answer is Jesus. Jesus is going to save Jesus is going to say, it's his responsibility. It's what he does, and he does it well, and he does it so much better than me and so much better than you. So take that weight off your shoulders. You don't have to save the world. Jesus is doing just fine. And the way you participate with him, because you are, you're called to participate with him, and here's how you do it. Stay away from sin. Love one another aspire to live quietly, mind your own affairs, and work with your hands. These kinds of things, you are called to participate with Jesus in saving the world. But it's, it's him that's taking on the bulk of this responsibility. And the way you participate is through faithful, loving acts of service 
So if you're, if you're doing that, if you're taking care of your responsibilities as a mom, as a dad, as a husband, as a wife, as a student, as a brother, as a sister, if you're doing that, thank you. Keep it up. Don't lose heart. Continue to be faithful in that. But if you're spreading yourself too thin, if you're aspiring to have more and do more and be more, remember what you're called to do right now, right here, today, at this place, at this spot. You have a calling from Jesus. Live that out and let Jesus save the world. Maybe this morning you're ready for Jesus to save you, for you to surrender your life to him, to trust him, to trust him with your past, to trust him with your present, to trust him with your future, to stop trying to save yourself and to let him do the saving and you're ready to be baptized into Jesus. Or maybe you're just ready to lay down the heavy burdens you've been bearing and trust him with all you've been worrying about and all you've been thinking about. Our shepherds meet in a prayer room that is just out these doors and to my right. I would encourage you to go pray with those shepherds after service. Or right now, you can come forward as together we stand and sing this song.